Um, kind of going back to, you know, rejuvenating soils, what products of yours would you recommend to take a unfertile dead soil and, and turn it into a living soil? And then what would you maybe use on an ongoing basis? Yeah, good question. So, um, we have a client that is uh, in the desert of northern Arizona where it's true desert. I mean, you would have to walk for miles to find a single blade of grass. Mm -hmm. And so the amount of carbon in that soil is extremely low. It's not even measurable. It's so low. And, uh, well, this client has a little uh, micro farm on that site. Now, there's nothing really wrong with the site. It's not toxic. It's just desert and very, very arid. So we uh, have been tracking that site now since uh, about 2003. And I've been doing analysis of the soils. At the very beginning, uh, the cation exchange capacity was lousy. Um, the percent organic matter was lousy, non-existent. And uh, the last time I checked it, the percent organic matter was at 12%, going 18 inches deep. Wow. So you can dig a hole 18 inches deep, and you have black, carbon-rich soil going down that deep. Man. And the cation exchange capacity has increased by double. And the pH has dropped tenfold. And uh, which is what happened on my arboretum site also. Mm -hmm. uh, the pH dropped tenfold. So the the and what did we use? What did we use? Well, we used uh, mycorrhizal fungi, fungus. Fungi is a singular, I guess. Uh, I've I've never been accused of being a, 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 a good student of grammar. So um, anyway, mycorrhiza, which is a beneficial mutualistic fungus that uh, helps feed plants. But it also grows a magnificent, huge biomass in the soil of a, of a, of a living substance. And uh, so we use that. Then we, we also used bacteria. We used the TerraPro. I, I, I accuse the TerraPro of being a, uh, a prebiotic. So a prebiotic is something that will correct the chemistry of the soil so that the probiotic can live there. So it, it fixes the environment, making the environment a friendly environment so that plants can live there, water will stay put, microbes will can, you know, can live there, etc. And it buffers any uh, uh, toxic chemistry. If you have a toxic chemistry, it'll buffer it. So we have TerraPro mycorrhiza bacteria, and then we feed them protein. Now, I don't grind up pinto beans anymore. I've tried a lot of different things. I've tried pinto beans. I've tried soybeans. I've tried uh, guar gum beans. Those work really well. But nobody grows guar beans in the United States anymore. So, uh, and, uh, and so now what we're using is basically uh, layer hen manure that is cooked. It's been cooked at very high temperatures to kill 
any of the uh, histoplasmosis mold. So there's a lot of feathers in, in layer hem manure. There's a lot of uh, feathered down, feather, and, and the, 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 there's a lot of protein in that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it gives us a nitrogen value of 4%. Not quite as good as guar beans. Guar beans was 6%. But 4% works. It's good enough. And uh, so anyway, we're, so we're using that. And it's been fortified with some uh, minerals, some rock dust minerals. Uh, to basically, you know, make sure that we're not deficient in minerals as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that that piece of property in Arizona now is a flourishing farm, produces a lot of food, and feeds a lot of families off of eleven thousand square foot garden. I think uh, the owner told me that she was feeding. Uh, gosh, I forget how many families now, but quite a few. <clears throat> and uh, it's a beautiful place. Nice. Rich, rich, rich topsoil. So that's one example. Another example is a mine tailing site, and I can't give you the name of it because I have a, uh, uh, what do they call it, uh, NDAs. Um, but basically, uh, when they're mining um, for certain metals, i got to be careful how I word this, um, the resulting, uh, when they use a, very powerful chemicals to extract the metals out of the ore. And after they've extracted the metals out of the ore, the remaining ore is what we call tailings, is extremely nasty stuff. Very uh, caustic chemistry. If you, if you were to hold this stuff in your hands, it would burn a hole through your hand. Some of the sites that, they, that this mining company had been accumulating these uh, tailings on are over 100 years old. And they're in a part of the country that gets a lot of snow and a lot of rain. And even though they've been there weathering for 100 years, still nothing will grow there. And that stuff will still burn your hands if you touch it. Wow. So they were trying to stabilize the site, get vegetation to grow on it so they didn't wouldn't be having dust storms blowing into the surrounding countryside killing stuff. They tried everything. They tried biochar. That doesn't, that biochar never does anything. Um, they tried compost. Uh, they, they tried a lot of stuff. Nothing, nothing worked. But when they tried TerraPro with my protein, within a couple of weeks of putting the TerraPro down, they were able to get grass to germinate and grow and live. Wow. It, it completely buffered out the toxic chemistry. Amazing. It is. This stuff works. Wow. Um, so, Michael, uh, uh, Dustin had also uh, told me that you have a different take on how microbes, uh, I guess, are, are labeled or how they should be labeled. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I'm not real sure what he's talking about on that on that note, but uh, it might be that uh, what I was referring or what I was saying to him was that you know we we have a problem with the way our government um, wants to protect the consumer, mm -hmm. and so um, if we want if we want to sell something to uh, a farmer. 
depending on what state we're in, we have to go to one of the regulatory agencies and get the label registered. Uh, and and uh, and then we have to make certain guarantees about the label, right? And uh, for example, the problem with humic acids, then that in that there really is no such thing as humic acid. There is a carbon matrix, but that's not humic acid. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so the products that we're selling to people claiming are humic acids, the methods of putting that label on there with a guarantee uh, are not reliable or dependable. Uh, I I have to follow the rules. And so I, I have a, a, to make this liquid, there's a pound and a quarter of the carbon matrix in every gallon of this liquid. So in order to, to, to calculate what percent humic acid is in here? If I'm going to sell this in the state of California, I have to use a CDF, CDFA method. So I took the powder before adding it to the liquid. And the liquid, by the way, is a liquefied compost. I have a way of taking compost and turning it into a liquid. This is not compost tea. This is way beyond compost tea. There's a pound of compost in every gallon of this liquid. It's solution to compost, and I do it mechanically. I built a machine that can do that. It's kind of like a giant Jack LaLanne uh, juicer. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I take the powder, and I, sent, I, I, I pulled 12 samples out of the same bag of powder, labeled them all separately, sample 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 12. I don't tell the lab that it all came out of the same bag. And I sent it to the laboratory that the state of California will recognize as being uh, valid using the CDFA method. The results I got back gave me anywhere from 70% humic acid to 83% humic acid. That's how wide of a spread. What does that tell you? They don't know what None they're measuring? that none of them are right. The method is flawed. So in order for me to not get in trouble in the state of California, I take the lowest one, right. the 70%. So then I say, okay, well, I'm putting a pound and a quarter of this powder into a gallon. And so if I calculate what is 70% of a pound and a quarter, that gives me a number of how much humic acid is in that pound and a quarter. And then I add the pound and a quarter to the 8.3 pounds of liquid, giving me 9 point whatever pounds. And uh, I, from there, I can extrapolate what the percent humic acid is. Mm -hmm. And it comes out to 7, no, it comes out to 9, 9.5%. So to not get in trouble in the state of California, I don't put 9.5% on the label. I put 6%. So I'm going even lower. Mm-hmm. So not I so I not only did I take the seventy percent, the lowest number, not the highest, I'm also taking a, an artificial number, an even lower number to put on the label. And that way, when it gets to California, somebody says, I wonder if this is right. Right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna send it to a lab and have it analyzed. State of California might do that. Right. And they have it analyzed, and the chances are better that 
I'm going to be much higher than what the label says, and I don't get in trouble. Right. Okay. So going to your microbe question, we have the same problem. The the same problem. So uh, on this label here, you, know, you can see there's 20 different bacteria in there, and uh, and so we have a colony forming unit. Uh, some of them are at one times ten to the sixth power, uh, one times ten to the ninth power. I mean, there's a bunch of different numbers in there, and uh, so the the problem is is that bacteria are very polymorphic. They have a they have the ability to uh, they they do what's called a horizontal gene transfer. And so that means that if I'm making compost tea, hoping to have beneficial microbes in that tea, and in that tea is a bacteria called Bacillus anthracis. That's anthrax. Anthrax is a soil bacteria. And as you know, it can be a, a little unfriendly to us, mm -hmm. right? So you have Bacillus anthracis. And you have another ba uh, Bacillus bacteria in there called Bacillus subtilis. And that one has known benefits to plants. And it's a soil bacteria. So, you know, compost is very likely going to have some in there. And, uh, and then you might have some Listeria in there too. And so you basically... Using forced water extraction, you get them all into solution. And they're floating around in that compost tea brewer. And uh, and then you also got a lot of organic matter floating around in there because you did it from compost, right? And so you have a high uh, biological oxygen demand, or BOD. Now, the EPA measures water pollution by the BOD level. The higher the BOD, the bigger the problem. Because when you have a high BOD, bacteria misbehave, mm -hmm. and so they can they can um, do that horizontal gene transfer, which means that Bacillus anthracis can share some of its uh, DNA with a Bacillus subtilis, making Bacillus subtilis dangerous. Wow! But if I do a, an enumeration using a biological lab to get a colony forming unit count. If I tell the biological lab, uh, um, I'm going to guarantee the Bacillus subtilis level. I want to know the colony forming unit count of that so I can put it on the label. And so they culture, they know what food Bacillus subtilis wants to eat. So they, they, they put a, uh, the compost tea on that type of food and see who grows and the Bacillus subtilis will grow in it because that's the food it likes. And then they can do a colony forming unit count. But what they can't see is the, is the uh, toxicity of Bacillus subtilis that it got from the Bacillus anthracis. You following me? Yes. And we call this hypervirulence. Listeria does this. Um, Listeria is really bad about it and, and polluted uh, river waters like the Amazon. Don't ever go swimming in the Amazon uh, because the Amazon River is full of dissolved organic matter that came off of the forest. 
And the higher the dissolved organic matter, the better the chances of bacteria becoming hypervirulent and dangerous. Mm -hmm. Cholera, listeria, you name it. So compost tea presents the same danger. The very same danger. So the problem here is that I could say on my product, I got Bacillus subtilis in there, but that sucker will kill you. Right. And the state of California, they can't tell. They're, you know, it's going to cost several thousand dollars for them to go through these 20 different, if they wanted to check to see how, how valid was this, because I made a guaranteed statement. And if they wanted to check it to see if those numbers are accurate, they're going to have to probably dish out about 60,000 bucks to a microbiology lab. The state of California does not own a microbiology lab that can do that. They're going to have to job it out to a private commercial lab. There is no government-owned lab that can do that in California. I would have thought CDFA would have uh, some sort of analytical lab. Nope, they don't. Wow. Nope, they got to job it out. And they're probably going to send it to microbial matrix up in Oregon. <clears throat> and uh, so, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to spend 60,000 bucks to check to see if I'm right. Right. And, uh, and furthermore, I'm only, I've only got 20 species listed on there. How many are really in there? Hundreds. And as long as I don't say on that label that there's hundreds, I'm just saying that there's 20. Right. Or maybe just, I know companies that say there's one or two. Right. One of the biggest companies in the United States, I won't mention their name. They're a good company. Uh, they have a great product. It's a, it's a bacteria product. They list two. And they listed at such a ridiculously low number. Uh, I think they claim uh, one times 10 to the fourth power or what. Whatever it is, it comes out to about a thousand colony forming units, uh, some really low number, which, uh, you know, is like peeing in the ocean and trying to raise a level. Their product works, though, because the real number is much higher. They're just being careful so that if somebody tried to check them, they're going to discover the numbers are really much higher. Yeah. So if they're much higher, you're not cheating the customer. Yeah. And then over time, uh, does the, I guess, um, viability of those microbes decrease? So uh, then that also probably factors into their labeling decision? If you leave it as a liquid, yes. Um, you, you have a limited shelf life. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you freeze dry it, uh, your shelf life is much, much longer. It could be many, many years. Okay. And uh, this is why if you if you go to your health your favorite health food store and you buy a probiotic for yourself and you it's in a capsule, uh, those bacteria have been freeze dried. Okay. In order to give you longer shelf life, uh, our bacteria. I don't have it here. I have the I have this particular liquid which I've shown you, and I have the freeze dried version of it here. Um. But I have another one that is a co-fermentation co bacteria. And uh, that one, um, we have, again, metagenomics on it and uh, functional group studies and 
colony forming unit studies and there's hundreds of species in that one and that one we have been able to stabilize it so that it stays viable for several years as a liquid and so we've we've tested brand new product and compared it to really old product and we get the same numbers nice and it has no bad aroma it doesn't smell like a rotting body uh you know some of them will some of these liquid products sold by some companies you know you open up the bottle and woo man stinks to high heaven mm -hmm. and uh, you get a lot of hydrogen sulfides coming off of it and probably went bad right uh with ours no it and it looks like this fulvic it has that amber color to it real clean looking and uh so we sell it right now as a liquid to farmers but i'm um thinking about uh freeze drying that one also and and having it as a powder yeah uh, mainly mainly for uh limiting the shipping of water problem yeah less weight to transport less weight that's right nice yep because with a liquid with our liquid you know you got to use at least a quart uh per acre you know so if you've got a ten thousand acre farm that's a lot of quarts <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and uh our mycorrhiza is done as a powder uh extremely high spore count and uh we have uh one that has 6400 spores per gram and uh, which is quite significant because uh i was recently at a the fact where i met you guys um at that uh, Can canacom in albuquerque mm -hmm. <clears throat> and there was a company there from israel that uh a lot of people were walking around very excited about this Israeli company because they were pr promoting their mycorrhizal product. I have it right here. Not going to mention their name, but they claim 900 propagules per gram. A propagule can be any piece of dead root, piece of fungal tissue, or a spore. But it's not a guarantee of the spore count. We don't know how many spores there are in this. And uh, also, by just filling it in the bag, I can feel it's very granular. Right. So, <clears throat> if I have a farmer up in the Midwest who's going to plant soybeans, and he wants to use mycorrhiza, and he's planting with a vacuum air planter, he can't use this. Right. Uh, because the vacuum air planter won't, uh, I mean, you'll screw up the, the vacuum air planter trying to use this. Uh, void the warranty on it mm -hmm. um, so and also 900 propagules not knowing what the spore count is is way too low for it to work now let's just give this company the benefit of the doubt and say that all 900 propagules are actually spores and we compare it to mine which will work in a vacuum air planter uh, one pound of it will treat 10 acres of seed the target is 300,000 spores per acre in order for it to work. We know that because we've done trials with seed companies, and we've discovered the sweet spot of how many spores per acre do you have to put on that seed in order to see a significant improvement to that crop. Mm -hmm. It's 300,000 per acre.
Well, if your product only has 900 spores per, per gram, then how much of this would you have to put down on an acre? A lot. It's not going to work. Right. So mine has 6,400 spores guaranteed per gram. That's 2.9 million. It's really 3 million. But again, we're, we're being conservative and we say, nah, we're going to go for 10% lower, you know, to make sure that we're, we're right. Right. Uh, so it has 3 million per pound. So if, if, if you need 300,000 to treat an acre, that pound will treat 10 acres. It's a lot of bang for your buck there. A lot of bang for your buck. So this product won't work. 900 per gram. Can't, it's not going to work. So um, Israelis are not always the best in the world at what they do. <laughs> There's a company in New Mexico called Soil Secrets that's better. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I always like to support uh, USA companies whenever possible. Um <laughs> Michael, you've got a, uh, as I'd mentioned before, a, a retail nursery, Trees That Please, uh, along with Soil Secrets. Which business do you personally enjoy working at more, or is it kind of equal? And then with your retail store, like, how are you differentiating yourself from competitors in your area? Well, the Trees That Please Nursery goes back to the 80s, uh, 1983. And uh, so it's been in business under the same ownership longer than any other retail nursery in the city of Albuquerque Metro. Albuquerque is a city of a million people. And uh, so I've been in business longer than any other retail under the same ownership, me. What do I do that's different? Uh, well, I don't sell fertilizers. And uh, you're not going to walk into my nursery and buy a bag of, uh, of uh, weed and feed um, or um, miracle Grow. You're not going to find uh, herbicides or pesticides. I don't sell any of that. I could. I can make as good a living as anybody else selling that stuff. But I just made a personal choice, you know, that uh, – I mean, remember, I'm a human wellness guy, and uh, you know, I have I have academic uh, training in metabolic pathways, biochemistry, and how the human body works. And I know what those I know what those chemicals are going to do to you. You can't buy Roundup in my nursery. It's a good thing. And uh, so, but what you can buy is Soil Secrets. And uh, so we basically uh, train our customers. Uh, to, you know, our, our, our message to them is that, that uh, in, order to, in order to have a healthy plant, you have to have a healthy soil. And no fertilizer has ever made a soil a healthier soil. Sure. Therefore, if a fertilizer cannot make a bad soil a healthier soil, it's not going to make your plant healthy either. That's, a, that's an accurate statement. So... You can turn it into a crackhead, and uh, where you think your plant is healthy because it's growing really fast and has great big leaves on it, but it's not healthy. It's a crackhead addicted to that fertilizer, and uh, and as soon as you stop giving it that fertilizer, the plant crashes on you. Mm -hmm. 
and and plus the fertilizers they're all uh, salt-based uh, 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 fertilizers and one of the problems that we have in New Mexico being an arid climate is we have too much salt in our soil the place that I bought mm -hmm. right and uh, and so we don't want to ever intentionally add more salt to an already salty soil makes sense so we we teach that to our customers that we have in order for you to have a healthy plant we have to make your soil healthy and i put some of the responsibility of that on my customer right because they're I'm the one Walmart. that's got to do the work not you well yeah i mean uh, if, if they want to give me a contract to go over there and take care of that tree for them then uh, then the responsibility is on my side mm -hmm. but if they're gonna if they're gonna take it home and plant it and take care of it the responsibility is on their side yep now the other thing that trees that please does that uh, no other retail nursery in albuquerque will do is that we grow a lot of the native trees of new mexico remember i told you we have a lot of native oaks and these oaks are beautiful trees that make great urban trees they're great for landscaping they're very drought tolerant you know where they grow in the uh, in new mexico is uh, where the desert meets up with our mountain ranges we call it the desert edge so if you look at any mountain range in new mexico at the bottom of the mountain where the chihuahuan desert touches that mountain that's going to be your oak woodland zone which is where Albuquerque is. Mm -hmm. So how much rain do we get? How much precipitation do we get in that zone? Somewhere between 12 to 15 inches annually. Pretty arid. Mm -hmm. And so these trees still grow into great big trees and they grow fast. And they live, I, I counted the growth rings on one of our native trees that was chopped down um, in Southern New Mexico. It was an emery oak, Quercus emerii. And uh, the landowner cut it down because the branches were hanging over his cabins. He had a, a resort and they were hanging over the cabins. The crown spread on this tree covered an entire acre of land, one tree. <laughs> wow. And it was a national champion tree of its species. He cut it down because he was afraid the branches were going to fall and crush these cabins. I counted the growth rings and there was no heart rot in this thing whatsoever. This was a solid tree. I counted the growth rings and it was 1,200 years old. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so we grow these trees and we sell them to our retail customers. They come in asking for junk, you know, because they don't know better. You know, they, they, they moved here from Denver, Colorado and in Denver, Colorado, they like to plant modesto ash or green ash or white ash or silver maple sure and they moved down to albuquerque or into my town los lunas and they walk into my nursery and they say i want a green ash we don't have it how come well because green ash is native to a river swampland environment meaning it needs a lot of water and you're probably living somewhere that you don't have that kind of environment it's, it's better if we can sell you a tree that can take a more arid environment. And, uh, and, and that way you don't have a problem on your hands for the rest of the time that you're owning that home. So, uh, so we grow them. And I have under production at any given time, tens of thousands of them. Also, Trees That Please is our uh, 
depot for distribution of soil secrets products. So any shipping that we have, you know, semi loads that are going out to farmers in Montana or Washington State or Mexico or wherever, it's 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 handled by the soil secrets company. Nice, nice. And I do contract growing of uh, of uh, stuff in my. Uh, I have a big lab building uh, that I built at Trees at Please that uh, is a controlled environment. And I have uh, the high tech, the, the best LED lights that money can buy in there. And I can do contract growing of anything in there for somebody. So if you wanted me to grow for you cannabis, uh, you know, do cloning and or seed, uh, seedling production, I can do it. Very cool. And uh, so, we, so we do a lot of that as well. Nice, nice. You know, yeah. uh, I, I have to imagine that your uh, approach to customers at Trees That Please might rub a few customers the wrong way, but at the same time, those probably aren't the customers that you really want uh, long term. You, yeah. you, you, you want the customers that are like a sponge and want to take in the information, not the hard. And a lot of them, you're exactly right. And, uh, <laughs> and fortunately, uh, and, and the proof is in the longevity of the company. Um, the, the, uh, the Trees at Please property is a big property. Um, it's the largest, uh, not only is it the oldest, but it's the largest retail nursery in the Albuquerque Metro. And it's an Arboretum. Now it's not the same Arboretum as the other one. This is, this is the new site. This is the new Arboretum, but I've already got planted on this site, uh, an apple orchard with 185 different kinds of apple trees. That's amazing. 185. A lot of people um, probably have, don't even know that there's that many varieties of no, apples and, in existence. Yeah. That's right. And so you can, in, in, during the, the time of year when the apples are ripening, you can walk through that apple orchard and sample them and, uh, and you know, see which ones you like best. Um, I've also got uh, growing on that site a uh, very rare redwood species that was found by me in the mountains of southern New Mexico. The two parent trees that I collected the seed off of were destroyed by a forest fire in 2012. So as far as I know, it's extinct in the wild. Wow. And, but I have, uh, I have this species growing on my nursery grounds and they're about 60 feet tall now. <laughs> they're big trees. The trunks on them are, I can't reach all the way around. Uh, the trunks, that's how big they are. Yeah. I started it from seed about 22 years ago. And, uh, and I have all a bunch of different kinds of oak trees and maple trees and, uh, uh, a fruit orchard, uh, peaches, apricots, plums, uh, pecan, walnuts, lots of different kinds of trees on this property. How many acres is that well um i'm always wrong about this number <laughs> um I'm, I'm always saying that it's 5.9 acres okay and uh but my my uh, girlfriend tells me that it's not that it's uh it's less than that like 4.9 or something like that but I think it's 5.9. Well, mo most guys, you know, we tend to overestimate things. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, so, uh, but it has several greenhouses <laughs> on the site and, uh, 
in a big lab building. It's a 4,000 square foot lab building. Oh, okay. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Well, anybody who's in the uh, Albuquerque area, uh, and if you're into plants, this sounds like definitely <clears throat> a cool place to uh, to shop at or just walk around. Uh, sounds really awesome. Uh, Michael, how can folks get in touch with you, uh, get to you know any websites that uh, you've got, and then are you on social media at all? Yeah, um, we do. Uh, I'm not the social media person, but... Uh, the trees at please has an Instagram uh, presence and uh, and a Facebook presence. the The website for trees at please is uh, just treesthatplease.org. And uh, the website for the Soil Secrets Company is uh, Soil Secrets. Remember, put an S at the end. There's more than one secret, so it's plural. Soilsecrets.com. Nice. And, uh, and, you know, get on those two sites and explore. And, uh, and then to, to, to contact me personally, you're welcome to send me an email. Um, it's an easy one. Michael at SoilSecrets.com. Love it. Yeah. Well, Michael, I was told that you were an interesting, informative guy. And I have to say that uh, lived up to... Um, the projection. So this has been a really informative interview for me. Uh, I've uh, learned and relearned a lot of things that, uh, that I've seen over the years. So um, this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And yeah, and if you ever get to New Mexico, we're, we are a suburb city of uh, Albuquerque on the South end of the city. Uh, my nursery sits about a half a mile from the Rio Grande which is flooding right now mm -hmm. from the snow melt up in uh, the mountains of northern New Mexico and southern Colorado. And so our river is uh, about four feet deep in the surrounding tree forest. There's a gallery forest of cottonwoods that follow the river, and uh, we call it the bosque. And so right now the river is about four feet deep in the bosque. Wow. And, uh, and flooding. So it's been that way now for several months. And we expect it to stay that way for about another month. So I'm about a half a mile from that in the in the floodplain. I can dig a hole and uh, about five feet deep on my nursery ground, and I'll hit water. And uh, so we're roughly about 20 miles south of the city of Albuquerque. Nice. And uh, well, I'm I'm a big apple fan, so I'm gonna come by uh, hopefully in the fall sometime and uh, do a little sampling. Yeah, you should. Man, there's some apples that I have from um, Afghanistan that are like a big crab apple. They're 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 about that big. Man, they are delicious. Really, really good tasting. So I have apples from Afghanistan, from uh, Russia, Romania, um, all over the place. Nice. Well. Yeah. Uh Again, Michael, this was uh, a, a really great interview, and, and thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, thank you, Eric. I sure enjoyed it.